Marketing Podcast. This is the Gaslit Woman's Guide to Conquering the Corporate World. We're just two sisters armed with facts and statistics, and we're destigmatizing the plight of the working woman. My name is Lisa. And I'm Jennifer. Welcome, welcome. Episode welcome 33. I don't know what 33 symbolizes in whatever it's supposed to symbolize. Numerology, I've got no idea. But. Yeah, but also it's episode 13 of season two. What? Lucky right? 13. Is that how the math works? Okay. That's right. Oh my gosh. So we're going to talk about fat phobia in the workplace today because mm. it's something that both Jenny and I are learning a lot about. Something that we have in the book because it is discrimination that slips under the radar for a lot of people. And that has a lot to do with the way that people look at fat people. And the way that society wants us to look at fat people. Even the way in which when you're raised, or I mean definitely in the era when Jenny and I were raised, calling someone fat was the worst possible thing that you could call them. Right. Like even worse than calling someone stupid. Oh Um, yeah. So in a society that is so body conscious, something like fat, which is a descriptive word, which I can see as being taken back by the body neutrality movement and by the body positivity movement. It's a descriptor. It doesn't have to have the negative, I'm going to say undertone, but it's for sure an overtone. Mm. <laughs> the negative sweeping stereotype that it has. And so we're going to talk about that today. So Jenny, did you know that in the United States, it's legal in 48 of those states to discriminate against someone in the workplace because of their weight? And there is no federal law against weight-based discrimination. And surprise, surprise, kind of the same thing in the UK. There's no legal protection from workplace discrimination if you're obese. For some, if, for someone's weight. Yeah. Well, um, I just... That's UK and EU ahead. law. Sorry, it was what I wanted to say. So, Do you think it's because... People don't think that there needs to be any legislation. Yes. So it's just like a major blind spot. I think it it is a blind spot unless you're affected by it, right? As opposed to race, gender, sexual orientation. Participants in surveys about implicit bias, they've shown increased implicit bias against people with larger body types just in the last right. decade. So... Weight-based discrimination is growing. It is on the rise. So we kind of can already get that when we look at social media. We kind of oh, already yeah. get that. Really, we're, no matter where we look in society, I, I mean, that, that extends even into the doctor's office, you know? We get a lot of medical-based propaganda about how people with larger bodies are lazy, how they are inherently unhealthy because they have a larger body, And when I think about that, I think about Lizzo. I don't know if you ever look at Lizzo's IG or anything that she has on social media. Oh, I follow her. Yeah, she's because she's amazing. But she's so friggin' strong and so healthy. Like, she eats, and I know it's not for everybody, but she's on a vegan. um, She has a vegan lifestyle. She exercises all the time because she'd be incapable of performing at the level she regularly performs at if she wasn't in really good physical condition. But because she has a larger body type, people call her out for glamorizing fatness. And she's super healthy. Yeah, you see that a lot. You see that a lot, right? Yeah, Don't glamorize with like, being overweight. With like, yeah, with yeah. like Ashley Graham. Oh, um, yeah. It's interesting to see like this type of stuff on the rise. But then also then you think like in the United States, 
like over 40% of people in the country are considered obese. Well, look, the average woman is in America is a size 14 or larger. Which most stores don't even carry. Which most stores, which most stores don't even carry. And when you look at fashion magazines or fashion models, you're looking at a size zero or a size two. And those clothes are yeah. being modeled by girls. I mean, obviously you get the ones that are in their early 20s as well as they build up career. But a lot of those women, right, quote unquote, walking down catwalks, man, they're they're not women. They're still girls. Well, and also, when I, I worked at um, I worked at a fashion like a mm-hmm. um, luxury fashion label when I lived in New York, and uh, through four fashion weeks, and when those girls, because they were girls, came in for the fitting or came in to audition for the, that's probably the wrong word, but I was mm-hmm. never <laughs> one to pay attention at work. Anyway, when they came in, like that is a very, just like a, a larger body type is a body type. They have, they all had the same body type and it's not like a, I mean, granted they, one of the girls uh, had us order her pizza and she begged us not to tell her management company, oh, which man. was so sad. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of those girls, like that, their body type is very, 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 very slim, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And very tall. Yeah. They're not like amassing the, the body fat that a, a mature woman, they haven't hit, like some of them have just barely hit puberty or have not hit it yet. And it's yeah. just a very slim and straight body type. But one of the things I learned there, you know, I'd always wanted to be a model because they're what their peak perfection, right? That's what we're told. Yeah. And when they, when I saw those girls, I was like, oh my God, like I'm just, this is just like, that's not going to happen for me. Five, four and I'm round. So anyway. Okay. So people who have a larger body type get discriminated against. Women get really discriminated against. I mean, so just in general, just going back to people with, um, with larger body types, majority of employers still think that obesity is caused by poor lifestyle choices and that it's preventable. Um, yeah. And another poll found that 61% of the people that were polled didn't consider negative remarks about weight to be offensive. So you're starting off with kind of a bad baseline. Um, but isn't that bullshit? <laughs> we say what bullshit? Is of course that... it's bullshit. Okay. What, you think they know? Of course they know. Of course you know. Yeah, but these people you know, were you bold find enough out. to say they didn't think it was. <laughs> oh my God. I know, right? Okay. So when we're looking at women specifically, fat women specifically, when you've got women living with obesity, 25% of these women that had been polled reported experiencing job discrimination because of their weight. Mm-hmm. 54% of them reported weight-based stigma from their colleagues or coworkers. And 43% reported weight-based stigma from their employers or their supervisors. So you're kind of getting it every which way. And when they went back and spoke to those women who had had reported weight-based stigma in their workplace, 60% of them had experienced that kind of mistreatment more than four times during their working life. So it's a repeated attack. It's a repeated assault on the fact that they don't have thin bodies. Right? Yeah. And Vanderbilt University did some research on this and found that fat women on average receive a lower income than their thin counterparts. Larger bodied women are more likely to work in jobs that emphasize physical activity, but they're less likely to work in jobs that emphasize public interaction. So they're 
almost hidden away. And these same patterns, surprise, surprise, they don't exist for obese men. Obese women are bearing the brunt of the discrimination. And that's not to say that it doesn't happen for obese men, but it does happen disproportionately more to the women. Um, wow. Well, because yeah. a fat man is acceptable. A fat man is funny or jovial or he's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Big Dave. Yeah. But like Whereas, a fat woman... Yeah. A fat woman has no self-control. Yes. Yeah. Is disgusting. Yeah. We just heap, heap these kind of things on women who are a size four to a size 40. It doesn't matter yeah. the size. If society deems you to be unworthy in some way, fat is the easiest thing to use to dismiss you. Yeah. Because, and I think this is important to repeat, is that the patriarchy wants you really, really small. It wants you small. As a woman, it wants you small. It wants you skinny. It wants you starving because when you're focused on the way that you look, you're not paying attention to what's actually happening around you. We spoke about more than half of American women are size 14 or larger and that fashion models, they tend to be a size zero or two, which actually works out to a BMI of 17. That's medically defined as being underweight. So you tend to not get a period if you are menstruating woman. You tend to be infertile. You have a risk of heart attack. You have heart arrhythmias. You get thinning bones. So I know that some women are naturally built like that. Yeah. But it's important to note that over half of the fashion models um, that start, they start in their 13 to 16 year old years. And there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And you're, I, you're talking I, about though, the, those ill effects are from folks that are suffering from, from medical conditions that are, are causing them to be underweight, whether it's anorexia, nervosa, or, yeah. or, or whatever. Well, I was just saying when you have a, a BMI of 17, um, or less, and I know that there's real issues with the BMI way of figuring out if you're healthy or not. That's something mm-hmm. we can speak to on a different at a different time because it, it it bears some going into. But I really just wanted to say that one of the great things that Naomi Wolf wrote in her book, The Beauty Myth, mm-hmm. said that she said that uh, powerful, aware women are a threat to the social construct because neither capitalism or pa- the patriarchy benefit from women who reject the impossible beauty standards of today's society. And as long as women are consumed by the oppression and diminishment of their own bodies, they will never truly be free. And that's so relevant. And it's so relevant when you're talking about uh, women with larger bodies not getting paid as much. And I mean, we, we touched on this briefly of saying that women with larger body sizes being pushed more into jobs that emphasize physical activity, but do not emphasize public interaction. Those public interaction jobs tend to pay more and physical activity jobs tend to pay less. So the research from Vanderbilt University found that the few obese women who did work in public interaction um, jobs received lower wages than uh, non-obese women. So there's a whole kind of what Vanderbilt University were calling taste-based discrimination. It's driving this occupational sorting out of obese women from front-facing, from public-facing workplaces. Mm-hmm. And, and, they're, and they're receiving a wage penalty because of it. So mm-hmm. fat women are earning less money. They're probably working longer hours because in the physical activity jobs, they tend not to be structured on a, you know, a nine-to-five kind of a basis. And they're, right. and they're being insulted the whole time they're doing it. Right. Crazy. It is crazy. And I just think 
looking back on my personal um, time having worked in corporate um, environments, it's not welcoming. Like just even a standard setup of a of the kind of typical desk and and work chair that you get with the high arms on the side. If you are not quite slim, it's like flying on an airplane, right? Those seats are made for a right. for a small section of of body shapes. Mm. And um, if you don't fit into that shape, you're kind of cast out as an alien and almost sort of like, well, you've done this to yourself. Right. Absolutely. No, there's so much gaslighting that goes on. So much. And towards towards women, because I find myself like I find myself as you're saying these statistics going, well, that but I mean, obviously, I believe them. But I just but I but I can feel that the gaslighting that has been programmed into me like popping up. You see you see women all the time online, like any public facing person. Once they post a picture of themselves, there's a million people telling them that they're fat. Yeah. And it's just become this very acceptable way to talk to and define women. Absolutely. Because, and, and like we said, if you, if you are super consumed by the way that you look, you're not paying attention to anything else that's going on around you because it is really all consuming. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've, I've noticed in, in workplaces that I've been in is that there is a very much like what the um, Vanderbilt University uh, research was, was looking at was sort of hiding women behind the scenes so that they're bigger bodies were not projecting a kind of image that was in contrast to whatever image it was that that company felt like they wanted to project. And all of these little things, they're not little, but you know what I mean? They're things that are very insidious because people are able to say they can kind of twist it to fit whatever situation they want it to to be, right? You think, oh, that, that doesn't feel right. But there is no weight of the law behind you to say, you're discriminating against me because of the way my body looks. That isn't right. So you you can be in a workplace and then be told, you know, because you don't fit in with the kind of image yeah, that Yeah, you don't fit the culture. You don't. Yeah. So you're not going to receive a promotion. If you do something wrong, you'll be disciplined more harshly. There will be harsher consequences when things don't go right for you. You know, and Rebecca Poole, who's a professor in the Department of Human Development and Family Sciences at the University of Connecticut, said it can also lead to wrongful job determination because we live in a society where weight stigma is so common and it very often goes unchallenged. And it's true because we have this idea that obesity is a choice that you can alter with enough willpower and enough grit. Yeah. I right. hate that. Like I'm so many quotes, my fingers are just like hopping rabbits because everything is like, we, we know there is such an increase in scientific findings that outline that your body type is very often a genetic predisposition. I know that we can't, we need to just say here, weight discrimination happens on both ends of the spectrum, right? So yes, women who are naturally born with lower BMIs get told they're skinny or sickly or anorexic. And I get that, right? That, that is not fair, and it is, again, a form of discrimination. Problem is, is that they don't get told that they're lacking willpower and grit. They don't get told that they're lacking in ambition or self-discipline or productivity or any of the other kind of things that we look at when we talk about leaders and C-suites and that kind of thing. I don't right. know the answer to this question, but I want to know 
how many women with bigger bodies are in C-suite positions in America, yeah. in the UK, around the world. I, I wonder if there's a way to figure that out. I really don't know. But I mean, and this should yeah. come as no surprise what I'm going to say next, but obviously sexism plays into this, right? So like we said, fat women facing more workplace discrimination. When you put the lens of racism on there as well, studies show that black women who are fat are the most oppressed in the workplace as well as in society. So no matter how many different lenses you put on top of this, plus uh, this type of weight-based discrimination, it becomes narrower and narrower. So we've put in the in the lens of sexism and then we put on the lens of racism and the impact is is really really serious yeah absolutely and you're driving people out of the workforce sorry go ahead no and then on top of everything there is there is a health aspect there's a genetic tie also in poorer communities there are food deserts in the united states and and then also the public aid that goes out is not conducive to a healthy whole food diet with the restrictions that are placed on the spending yep so it's also financially impossible for some families that are are getting aid, it's impossible for them to eat healthy. And then the food that's sent home from the schools for aid programs is also just kind of processed. In most places, it's processed garbage that makes the struggle even harder to eat in a healthy way. 100%. But I also, and I'm not trying to like come back at what you're saying about it not being a choice because I I 100% agree with that. But I'm just saying like, even if you were trying, it's I feel like in this country it's often in the united states it's oftentimes impossible i completely to provide healthy whole foods for your family i completely agree and what i would say is i don't know if you've read hood feminism by mickey kendall but in that book she talks about how true intersectional feminism needs to deal with hunger because hunger is one of those things that really divides people. It really divides communities. So like you're talking about with food deserts, but also what you're talking about with income inequality. So if you've got five bucks to spend on food for your kid that day, you are going to make sure that that five bucks is spent on the most calorific food that you can find. Because you need to give that baby all the calories that it can get. And sometimes just making it through the day and making sure that no one's hungry that day is the Mm. best that you can hope for. And that makes me so sad when I say it because Mm. it is sad. It is. And that is what we should be focusing on instead of chiding people, especially chiding people who already have several lenses of discrimination focused on them. Man, just make it easier to feed yourself. Make it easier to feed your family. Okay. And a lot of times I feel like when um, larger body type folks seek medical care, that weight-based discrimination kind of kicks in and obscures... The medical professional's ability to look at anything else. I went in when I was on the heavier side of, you know, snapping back after baby. Mm. And um, I had some legitimate medical concerns, of course, because that's why I went to the doctor. And all the doctor wanted to talk about was me losing weight. And she didn't know my, she didn't look at my chart. She didn't look at my history. She wouldn't even listen to my medical concerns. All she wanted to talk about was me losing weight. And it was just, it was like such an, an offensive, dismissive 
terrible experience and my body type is smaller. So I don't, don't have to deal with that on a regular basis, but I can't even imagine how frustrating, well, I have a small inkling of how frustrating that could be, but it, you know, it's a very dangerous way to look at people just to dismiss them and assume that the, their only problem is their weight. Yes, absolutely. And to assume that having a larger body means that you're unhealthy, right? Like, for the love of God, you're not just allowed to to have a body type that isn't skin and bones, you know? And we're so quick to stigmatize anyone who carries extra weight on their bodies in places where we don't feel like it's acceptable. Mm. Like, we look at people and the way that they are genetically built, so their bodies are meant to look a certain way. And we have this really strong association between body type and discrimination. And that's mm-hmm. something that we learn growing up, but we learn it by those examples being taught to us, by having classes in school that teach us about what it is to be healthy and how as very young women, very young girls, we get taught that your weight, your BMI, those things drive how acceptable you are. One thing I, I wanted to say was uh, there was a there was a study done about weight discrimination and risk of mortality, and amazingly, there is a a link. Weight discrimination is associated with a nearly sixty percent increase of mortality risk in your retirement years and also in your midlife. So the assist- I believe it. The, I absolutely yeah, yeah because honestly. If, if you, you can't get medical care, you can't get someone to actually like look at you or listen to what your symptoms are and they're just yeah. assuming yeah. that it's because of your weight. I mean, it's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we get told a lot that uh, having a bigger body, that risk of obesity causes a lot of different things like hypertension and diabetes. But the amazing thing is, is the stress of discrimination causes hypertension, diabetes, obesity. It causes people to actually become bigger, chronic inflammation, and the disease burden is, is just multiplied. Not to mention it increases your psychological distress. You have a, a lower feeling of well-being and you feel lonely. And it all ties into how all of these things caused by weight discrimination increase your mortality risk by by more than half, by 60%, which that's crazy to me. And I just think when I started to read these studies and I started to look at the statistics of it, I said to Jenny, we really need to talk about this, which is something we wanted to talk about anyway, but I want to make sure that we go on the record and say to people, please, when you go into your workplace, analyze how you are treating people in your workplace that have bigger bodies. Analyze how you feel when you feel like you have a bigger body than you're supposed to. And I'm speaking to myself as much as to anybody else, because that is weight-based discrimination that you have been taught, that you have swallowed and are continuing to propagate in yourself Mm. and out in the wider world. And if we can just take a step back, I mean, go out, educate yourself, look it up, Google it, like check into fat phobia, follow fat fab feminist on Instagram. She's amazing. Oh yeah, she's incredible. She's just such an amazing intersectional feminist. She is so into so many different parts of how discrimination, the many lenses of discrimination 
tie into the way that we all live and the way that we all exist. Add There's also a ton of great resources on toxic diet culture, um, which kind of plays into this as well. And then, and just kind of check in on how you treat yourself when you perceive yourself to be not fitting in inside of the small box that you're allowed. Because um, I think that we also turn this in on ourselves and there's so much yes. gaslighting yes. that happens that we're taught like, oh, if you are even the slightest bit like overweight or mm. fluffy or pudgy mm. or whatever, you've w- lost worth there. You yes. are, you're unlovable. You're unworthy of yeah. the promotion of the job, of the clothes, of the things. Um, and I think that we, a lot of women are so heavily hampered by the media portrayal of what the acceptable woman is that you lose so much of yourself to that struggle and that battle. And you're not aware of the, the beautiful things going on around you or the activism that you could be participating in. Yes. If you could just move on, move past that gaslighting that is feeding you a torrent of lies and killing people. Yes, it absolutely is. All of that is so good. Thank you for saying that, Jenny. It's amazing. That's what we wanted to talk about today. So I hope that that helps some people. I hope that it helps some people feel seen, but I also hope it helps people see others more clearly when they're in the workplace mm. and in the wider world. Because I know yeah. it's helping me. Uh, it's helping me so much. It's a slow well, process, but there we go. And we're going to post the um, links to these studies that Lisa mentioned, um, because I know that a lot of people will probably be a little bit triggered and have some questions just because we're taught we're taught the opposite of this. We're taught, I think that these, these statistics and these facts that Lisa has found are pretty shocking and disappointing in the fact that there, there aren't huge movements to get that discrimination. These discriminatory practices banned is, is pretty sad, especially since, you know, folks are tending to be larger and larger these days. So that's a larger swath of our population that is facing some pretty terrible stuff in the workplace. So as always, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We are Dear Patriarchy Pod. If you've got feedback for us from any of the the episodes, we'd love to hear it. We just heard from someone on Instagram. We'll highlight it about how she she was able to ask her roommates to do more of the chores and kind of set some healthy boundaries for herself. And that was such that makes us like honestly that's why we do this and so if we're helping you at all Thank or you have you. some feedback for us we really like we really appreciate it so at dear patriarchy or it's at dear patriarchy pod pod instagram and facebook patriarchy pod at gmail.com for any comments stories whatever um we are dear patriarchy pod on tiktok and patriarchy underscore pod on twitter we appreciate you listening and subscribing and following us on all the social media things and we look forward to what's coming next so stay tuned amazing thank you so much and have a wonderful monday no well it was wednesday Nope. Have a wonderful, have a wonderful week. (laughs) Nope. Bye. (laughs) All right. Love light and good night. Good night.